Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Hey guys, welcome to another edition of the Talking Metal Podcast. We have a special episode for you tonight, which I'm going to tell you all about. It's a short episode. But before we get into it, I want to first encourage you to support our sponsor Squarespace. We're going to have links up in today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com under Talking Metal episode 489. Go use those links. Go get a website through Squarespace. So here we go. Squarespace sponsor take one. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, and online store. For a free trial and 10% off, visit squarespace.com and enter offer code METAL at checkout. A better web starts with your website. Remember, guys, it's offer code METAL, M-E-T-A-L, all caps. Thanks, dudes, and... Here we go. Episode 489 of the Talking Metal Podcast. What we're doing here tonight, guys, is giving you a sneak peek, not even a sneak peek because it's already up, a, let's say, sample, I think is a better word, of a new podcast I recently launched with Mitch Joel and Mitch LaFon. It's called Metal Raps, and what we will do each week on Metal Raps, it's actually bi-weekly, I think is, is what we're going to do, is we will recap what Mitch and I have been up to recently with his podcast and my podcast, Talking Metal, and then we will also maybe talk about current metal news or metal events. And the the thing that's real cool about Metal Raps is it doesn't take much of your time. It is 15 minutes every week. Sometimes it might be 10, sometimes it might be 20, you know, somewhere in the ballpark. So approximately 15 minutes each week. We're already on the second episode. Please go subscribe to it on iTunes. Here's what we did with the first episode. We talked about Aerosmith. We talked about Ace, Fraley, and uh, yeah, check it out. So here is episode one of Metal Raps. If you like it, 
go subscribe to it on iTunes. And keep in mind, this is episode one. So I think as the three of us get to know one another within the confines of the Metal Raps podcast, it will only improve. Not that it's bad. I think it's awesome. I really like the first episode. The second episode is quite good, too. More talk on Paul Deano in the second episode. So here it is. Anyways, episode one of Metal Raps. Well, hey there, and welcome to a very new thing called Metal Raps, where we're going to spend 15 minutes speaking to two guys who know the metal scene probably better than I used to. And I say that because my name is Mitch Joel, and I used to be uh, one of these guys. I used to run around and interview all these crazy rock guys. I helped publish several magazines. I was a contributor at Brave Words and Circus Magazine, and I published a whole bunch of my own. I used to work for foundations at their F Magazine as well. So for about 15 to 20 years, I spent interviewing uh, literally the who's who and watching this industry unfold between the late 80s to the late 90s and beyond. Um, and I thought now that I shifted careers back into the marketing world and media world that I might be twisted into coming back to this. And I was twisted back in by my other good, my other good friend, my friend Mitch Lafon, who's the other Mitch, I guess. And I guess Mitch doesn't refer to me as the other Mitch, but Mitch Lafon from One on One with Mitch Lafon. Mitch, how are you? I'm very well. You know, it's great that you're joining us on this. this it's, you know, I used to read you, and then we became sort of confreres at Brave Words, and yeah, we got to get you back in here. It's so you important. did it, and you thought, why bring just a Mitch and Mitch back when we can bring a Mark in too to create vocal confusion? <laughs> right. So why not, why not have Mark Striegel from Talking Metal along for the ride as well? Mark, how are you? I'm good, Mitch and Mitch. And how Mitch, are you guys Mitch doing? Are, right, this is going to get awkward. Yeah, yeah, it's going to get awkward. And so what we wanted to do is really just spend a couple of minutes um, every week or two. We're going to sort of feel this out and see how it goes and talk just a bit about the conversations that we're having in the metal space and give everybody a sort of little sort of backstories, uh, almost like a wrap-up show of the sort of metal podcasting world. We'll bring in others hopefully as we evolve and, and take this a bit further. But the idea is, you know, 15 minutes of sort of quick fire conversation about what's happening in the music scene and the heavy music scene. So, Mitch, I'm going to start with you. Tell me a bit about what's been going on on One on One with Mitch Lafon in the past week or so. Well, you know, I've been having some great guests. I had Tom Hamilton of Aerosmith. And, of course, Tom is – Always great to talk to. And what was really interesting about this interview is I asked him about making new music. And would he rather go old school like Lord of the Size or keep going with the new stuff like uh, Pink? And right away his answer was, no, man, I got to go Lord of the Thighs. So he, he's itching to get back to that old Aerosmith sound. So hopefully uh, we're going to get there at some point. Yeah, I, I thought really... that was a, a brave question to ask. And I was excited by his response you know, because – it made me think, who is steering that band in direction of of songs like Pink and the more pop avenue, if you will? So what do you think is the story with what's going on with these guys? I mean, I was very much taken aback by his comment that, you know, he was sort of like, yeah, well, we'll sort of see if there's a new album. Like, uh, you know, it was sort of like very off kilter. And 
for me as a guy who sits on the periphery and I'm not as in-depth in the scene as you guys are, it, it was sort of weird. I would think that as a musician, you have it in you and you just – you can't wait to make that next album. And it sort of felt to me like, well, you know, once they decide if we're going to do something, and I think we probably all know who the they are. Yeah. Um, it's 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 got to be weird. What, what it, Did you have any thoughts, Mitch, on, on what you th- think is really going on there? Well, you know, this is my third conversation with Tom, and he's let me know in the past that pretty much Steven Tyler, as we can all imagine, decides we're going to do an album, and this is what it's going to sound like. And over the last couple of albums, Joe Perry and Brad sort of said, whoa, 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 let's try to steer it back to the more classic rocks, toys in the attic sound. But at the end of the day, Steven sort of imparts the, with, you know, with, listen, I wrote Amazing, I wrote Crying, this is why you're rich now. So we're doing it my way. That's that's sort of the, what the sense I got. And it's like, oh, yeah, well, great, Stephen. But our, the fans want to hear Toys in the Attic again. So uh, I, I, I'm sort of half joking when I say this, Mitch, too. But I was uh, – his voice really freaked me out. Like I did not know that that's what he sounds like or I don't remember him sounding like that. And you were telling me it's because of when he was sick or – yeah, when he had cancer, part of the surgeries and the treatment, it, it's altered his voice. And, you know, it, it it's hard to, to, to listen to him sometimes, but you have to have that sympathy for him. And when I got on the phone with him this time, the last two times I wasn't taping. This time I was taping and management got on the phone and said, oof, we're not sure about that. Let's Let's check it. And right there on the call, they had a conference about whether they should approve it for being aired or not. And they came back and they said, yeah, go right ahead. But wow. uh, yeah, it, it is a concern. And Did he throw cancer? Is that what he was diagnosed with? It, it was throat or, or tongue or something, some kind wow. of oral cancer. And uh, yeah, it, it's it's taken it. Now, what's amazing, though, is when I spoke to him for music from another dimension, the last album, which he sings on, his voice sounded like that already. So it hasn't stopped him from performing and singing. Mm, it's interesting so- because, you know, the the sound of Eddie Van Halen's voice is also in a similar range as his. And Eddie Van Halen, of course, had tongue cancer, too. So that's mm-hmm. whether, and whether he, or not that's the type of cancer Tom had. I'm not exactly sure. But and people don't you know, you, you, you the one the one crazy thing we're talking about cancer, not metal here. But the, the crazy thing about it is that uh, you don't really know what the side effects are going to be of things like chemo and surgery. And everybody has a really different, goes through a very personal experience for those who know about it. So it's pretty amazing that he's, he's, he's sort of, uh, around and active and into it. And, um, I do want to get to Mark and talk about talking metal, but the other part that I was really interested in is, is he was really, I'll use the word extremely cautious about talking about Steve Tyler and him falling off the apple cart, as it were, in mm-hmm. terms of the last tour. And uh, I got the sentiment from him that he was really down and disappointed about it. And not from the fact that like he had to stop touring for a little bit too, but more from that you could tell that like he was really down that they were letting the fans down. Well, I really got a sense that they expected music from another dimension to be this massive success. And instead the fans went, oh, we think we're done. I think Aerosmith is over, and I think that really disappointed him because, you know, there are, you know, there's a Carrie Underwood song with, but you take that away, there's still a lot of good rock songs. There's at least a good six or seven out of the 15, and fans just said, we don't care. This, this is not the our Aerosmith. And I think they alienated both the younger generation that grew up on Pink 
And they certainly alienated the older generation that grew up on nobody's fault. So, but you know what? As an outsider, Mitch, I, I don't know. Like, I, I'll tell you how I felt. I felt like there was a new album that came out because they were just trying to capitalize on the success that Steven Tyler was having with American Idol and mm-hmm. the fact that he was back in the public lexicon in a big way. And they probably felt like this is another chance to make a run at it. Uh, I think the real fans probably smelt it and realized they don't want to deal with it. Yep. And I'm also pretty sure that uh, Steve Tyler and I think the entire Aerosmith camp might have overcompensated in terms of what they thought the general public would now drove over to Aerosmith because of the what what seemed like the popularity of American Idol. When in fact it was it, you know it, it is a show that was on the decline. It, it really was. And you know what's amazing about that whole uh, Carrie Underwood and the American Idol is when I did my interview with Tom for the album about a year ago, two years ago, he said that Steven snuck into the studio after hours, brought in Carrie without telling anybody, and made wow. the song, and then said, all right, folks, it goes on, or. And I was like, huh, probably not a great way to have a f- happy family, don't you think, when you <laughs> sneak people in and out? Let's uh, let, let's let's talk metal with talking metal, Mark. <laughs> what, what's been going on in your show? Well, we've had some serious metal on. We had the ex-singer of Exodus, Rob Dukes, followed by an episode with the new singer of Exodus, uh, Zetro, (laughs) who was also the old singer of Exodus. They wouldn't come on together? (laughs) No. (laughs) You should really push, Mark. I think they would have if you just would have really tried. But you got Zetro over at Heavy Montreal, and that's a whole festival we need to talk about at some point. Yeah, I I, uh, flew up for the the day, really. I was up there for about 24 hours and hung out with Mitch all day at Heavy Montreal. We we just had a blast seeing so many great bands. We did a podcast there. Mitch co-hosted the episode of Talking Metal with uh, that featured Zetro from Exodus. And then I flew back to New York and got to interview Ace, former Kiss guitarist Ace Frehley. Wow. So, yeah, Ace, I mean, I, I've watched a couple interviews with Ace, and um, he is not looking or feeling good to me. Is that a mean thing to say? Well, I, I think I, the interview I did with him, he was in such great spirits he looked good to me. I mean, you know, he's heavier, he's older, he's a guy in his, his 60s now. But he uh, he seemed healthy, he seemed happy, his hair looked thicker than ever. Um, his <laughs> actually, To what end, though? Like, like, why does a guy, what's the motivation for a guy like that to, to do an album? Is he, is he considering touring? It just seems like... You know, he, he really sort of came, I mean, you know, it's a long and sorted history, but he was never really able to ascend post-Kiss. And the struggles are, you know, as much as some people might like, might like individual songs that have come out from those solo efforts, whether it's Freely's Comet or whatever else. I mean, it, and I'm not trying to, to downplay what Ace is and his power as a guitarist and what he did during that time. There's no, you can't undermine that. But it just, I, I grapple with why, why do an album, why... Like, what are you trying to hold on to here? Well, I think there's probably a lot of factors, and I I, I would guess that money plays into it. <laughs> no, probably. I mean, he had a offer from a record label to do a record. And I think, you know, there's been so much negative things said about the guy in in books by the other members. 
and in interviews with the other members. And I'm not just talking Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons. I'm talking about Peter Chris too. I think he, he has, he has something to prove. And honestly, I, I, you know, Mitch, the other Mitch, Mitch LaFon, we haven't really <laughs> spoken about this, but no. I, I think the new record is incredibly strong. I, I really, it really, really is actually like it. It's, it's heavier than he's been on. Well, at least than he was on anomaly. And I think even maybe heavier than some of the stuff he did back in the, the late eighties. And I, I think it's a, a really strong effort and I'm not it saying seems it, more focused. Yeah. I'm not saying it's it's as strong or stronger than the latest Kiss records, but I think it's it's pretty close. And I I think he's a lot of the stuff that Paul Stanley has been saying about him that he can't play, he can't sing. Wow, on that record, it sure sounds like he can play and sing to me and yeah, write some say, good songs. I might listen to it now. You it, guys are convincing me. <laughs> yeah, I think no, but I really think that he the the, the competitiveness of Ace came out on this one because it's been seven years of Ace, you know, and because he's been sober for seven, but you still get Ace is a drunk, Ace is a drug addict, Ace is a loser, Ace is disorganized. And that's what the other camp keeps spewing out, whether it's Paul or Peter or, or, or Gene. And I think he just said, you know what? I, I got to prove something here. And if you listen to the, to the album, okay, you know, the, the text, the, the lyrically, uh, but musically, it sounds as though he wanted to get that ace sound from the 70s back. And you've got those bends that you, you haven't heard in, in 20 years. And it just really sounds like the 1978 album, but with less good lyrics, but still a fun album. Yeah. So, and, and those lyrics back in the day, too, because I've read a number of reviews that have talked about the lyrics but if you go back to his lyrics let's i mean let's face it rocket ride didn't have the most you know genius yeah, lyrics in, no, in the right. world i don't you know, know if we could really I, say any of them did. neither did love gun <laughs> yeah, quite I mean, frankly listen i don't not listen to an album because of lyrics because listen if you look at my record collection i have poison albums white lion albums cinderella we're not talking you know the finest prose in the world here but it sounds good. It moves me. I'm happy Space Invader came out. I do question putting on the Joker on the, you know, here's a guy who's supposedly sober going, I'm a toker, I'm a smoker. You go, eh, eh, maybe you should have picked another cover. <laughs> right. And I, and I know guys <laughs> well, were trying it's to. Hard. It's hard to, to, to watch and listen to interviews and, and realize that also it's like, it's like seeing the needle and the damage done, right? Like he could be sober. I don't know one way or the other. And again, I'm not trying to be negative. It's just, in the interviews, it. in the interviews and stuff, he, he, and he's always joking and sort of aloof a little bit. It is. It's hard to sort of like watch him. Like, is he is he really serious about being very passionate about what he's doing now in Space Invader? Is he is he doing it because, like you said, there's someone offered it some some money and I was like, why not do it? I guess as I get older, and I'd love to know what you guys think about this. When these musicians come back, it could be Aerosmith, it could be Exodus, it could be Ace Frehley. We're all to a certain degree holding on to our youth, yes. and, and we want to hear this music that really charged us, and we're, we're rooting for these guys. We're hoping that they can come out with something that moved us the same way like now as it moved us when we were 16. Right. I find more often than not 
that when it's not really driven by the artist's desire to create, it falls very flat. Um, you know, great example of of the opposite of that to me is is Deep Purple. I really found in a lot of the later years of the stuff that they were doing have been doing the past decade has been some of their best stuff because. The guys seem to be getting together with people who just want to jam and they're writing about what it's like to be in their 50s and 60s and it feels relevant and fresh and it ties nicely to the stuff I grew up with with those bands versus it feeling like, well, we need money. We got to go on tour. I feel like it's forced. Yeah, well, uh, I certainly felt that way about a couple of the last Kiss records, but uh... – <laughs> Yeah. No, but I, I'm really happy that Ace did this one. I, I really, you know, with Anomaly, I almost got the sense of what you were saying, like, oh, if I got to put something out to make a few bucks. But this one, I, there does seem to be a passion to it. And I think it translates to the music because it's a lot more fun. Or can we say funner? Is that a word? It, it, it just it resonates a little more. But, you know, the problem with a lot of the new music is not the new music. It's the listener. I'm not 16. You know, I, I don't want to rock and roll all night and party every day. You yeah. do, Mitch. Come no, on. No, no. I saw you. I'd rather rock for for like an hour and maybe take a warm bath and <laughs> have some ice water and then <laughs> have party some ice later. water. Yeah. yeah, you know, sit down and watch the news. <laughs> I can't do the all night thing anymore. Mark, I'm I'm curious. You know, you do get to sit down with a guy like Ace. Current, you know, finally inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, um, a legend, and obviously somebody you grew up probably really you know, respecting yeah. and loving. What what was your take out of that interview where you were like, okay, I, I, I saw something in Ace. I heard something in Ace that really sort of, you know, some of the highlight for you of that. Well, there was a couple things that I'll hit, hit upon quickly. Cause I know we're running out of time here, but I just, I just thought it was great. Like, even if you listen to the interview, I even left in where he's going, where he's testing the mics at the beginning of the interview. Cause you know, he says testing, testing, testing. It was just that classic ACE voice. And I was just like, Oh my God, this is ACE Frehley sitting right next to me doing this right. interview. And two, two, two things that stuck out in the interview to me that I really thought were pretty cool. Um, one being when I asked him about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and being inducted, he had his basically his his stock answer like, oh, it was a great honor. It's a shame we couldn't we couldn't play. And then I said, well, have you spoken with any of the guys since the the induction? And, you know, Kiss fans would probably think he would come back and say, oh, yeah, Peter and I have spoken a few times. But no, he came back and he said, I've spoken with Gene, you know, I called him up and we reminisce about old times. And I thought that that's kind of a major deal because Gene, you know, in, has, is still in the band with Paul, who's obviously has some real issues with Ace. And I, I mean, from the interviews, it would seem that maybe Gene does too. But But here it's been revealed that since the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, he's shared at least one personal phone call with Gene, uh, and they were just kind of shooting the shit, if you will. And I thought that was pretty major, and it also fit into line with some of the stuff that Ace has said, where he thinks maybe Gene can play bass on his next record, at least on a song. And before Gene had this big scandal uh, about you know talking about depression or whatever, um, he and deleted his Twitter account. He mentioned on his Twitter account that he he had actually watched Ace on the Tonight Show and said that Ace did a fine job. So it it seems as though maybe the relationship between 
ace and gene is stronger than some people might think. Yeah. yeah I, I wonder if it's just, I, I think that gene is a character and I think a character is somebody who's played in public. And then I think there's another side of gene uh, probably when the cameras aren't rolling or the Twitter feed isn't live that right. uh, enables him to, to somewhat recognize where he is at in his life and his world and his pending mortality as we all do at our age um, yeah. and and maybe thought uh, is is it really worth it just because I'm not going to get up on stage with the guy doesn't mean I can't we, we can't have that occasional chat uh, this is really cool doing this first show metal raps I think we are going to try and do it again with Mitch LaFon and Mark Striegel um, and I, I think part of the the discourse that we want to have in this is actually uh, hopefully when people listen to this, they don't see it as negative I think it is important that we are critical of, of, of this because this is what we're interested in we want to dive a little bit deeper and crack the nut uh, and go further into the conversations and see where, where each one gave and take, gave and took. Yep. And, and hopefully uh, people can check out both shows, One on One with Mitch LaFon and Talking Metal to get uh, the full story and the full conversations over there. So why don't we end this by uh, you, Mitch, and then Mark letting people know where they can connect with you online. Yeah, listen, I'm easy to find. I'm at Mitch LaFon on Twitter, and you can also find me uh, on Facebook, Mitch LaFon. And uh, I just want to remind people, if you want to hear the Aerosmith interview I did with Tom, it's episode 37 of One on One, and you can get it on Stitcher, Spreaker, iTunes, and I also throw it up on uh, YouTube. Cool. And, of course, you can listen to both Mitch's show and my show, Talking Metal, on TalkingMetal.com or TalkingMetalDigital.com. They're on iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, uh, possibly iHeart soon. We're trying to figure that out. And uh, I'm also on Facebook. There's a couple Talking Metal pages on Facebook. And I'm on Twitter. And the Twitter handle is Talking Metal. And uh, you, if you're interested in following all of my non-metal things, absolutely, uh, you, can, you can find me at, at Mitch Joel. And I'm hoping that as we do more and more of these episodes, I will move from rusty to metal. So thank you so much for uh, checking this out and listening in. Absolutely.